Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Paint by Murders. I'm your host, narrator, and author, M. Travis DiNicola. Paint by Murders is an original mystery novel. It is the first in a series of Harrisburg Homicide Mysteries. In the last episode, Heidi Fleiterbaum, the bird lady, accosts Keith in coffee shop and tries to convince Keith that she didn't murder Jane, though she had a motive. Later, when Keith visits the Harrisburg Art Members Gallery again, he finds out that the volunteer Alicia was found drowned in the Susquehanna under suspicious circumstances. Keith decides to give Patience a visit, where he discovers something hidden in a picture in the Moonshine Catalog. Each episode of this podcast will feature subsequent installments from the novel. If you've been enjoying them, please leave a review and share this with your friends. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 49 Keith, are you all right? Patience now looked worried. He snapped back. I'm sorry, Patience. Yes. Yes, I'm fine. I just thought of something. May I take a look at the book again? I do have a question for you about one of the photos in there. Keith's brain had gone from zero to 60 in 30 seconds. The answer was in the book. Uh, sure, of course. Patience looked relieved and a little startled. She pulled a pair of white cotton gloves from her pocket and put them on. Whoops! Keith thought. Oh, well, there wasn't a sign or anything. Forget the gloves. What had he seen? She opened the book on the stand and asked, which one? Um, I'm not quite sure. Would you mind just flipping through it a moment? Perhaps flipping wasn't the right word to have used, Keith realized, but she nodded her head and started slowly and carefully turning the pages. And there it was. The Dracula picture. Stop there, please, said Keith. What was it, though? And then it hit him like a ton of moonshine bricks. The fangs that Alan was holding up to his face weren't vampire fangs. They were teeth, animal teeth or tusk, probably walrus. And they had scrimshaw carvings of whales on them. Keith now recognized them from Lewis's scrimshaw collection that he saw on display at Jane's house. There was the connection he'd been looking for. But that would mean... Now Keith had a question he could ask Patience. Do you know when this photo of Moonshine dressed up as Dracula was taken? Hmm. No, not exactly. It was before I worked for him. He was so young in it. My guess is that he was probably only 17 or 18. I assume is for Halloween. There's no record of him doing a vampire performance. I found it in his things after he died, so I never got a chance to ask him about it. I just... I just really liked it, though. It's the only photograph of Alan where he's smiling. Not actually a smile, a macabre grin was more like it, Keith thought. Patience looked away from the book and back to Keith. A true smile was on her face. Why did you want to know? The fangs. They're from Lewis Goodwin's Scrimshaw collection. Keith watched her face change color as she realized what he was saying. Was Alan Moonshine... The son of Lewis and Jane? There was no hesitation this time. The words came out easily. Keith was certain. And now it was Patience who looked frozen in place, her eyes wide and her mouth partly open. Then she looked back at the fanged photo and after a moment closed the book. Let's sit in my office, she said quietly, leading the way in her slippers. There were three air-on chairs in the sparse office. Patience sat in the one behind the desk, made of a thick glass panel perched on a chrome stand. She gestured for Keith to take one of the other chairs, then closed her eyes for a full ten seconds. Keith could almost hear her counting the breaths. She then pressed the palms of her hands into her eye sockets. 
let out a deep breath and opened her eyes, staring right at Keith. Shit, she looked defeated. I tried so hard to make sure that there was nothing, nothing in the book that could ever tie back to Jane and Lewis. I had no idea about that damn scrimshaw. Shit! For what it's worth, I doubt anyone else will make the connection. But you did. Shit! Okay, that's enough. No more cursing. Sorry, I don't usually... Another deep breath. Shoot! Okay, so... What now? Why all the secrecy? I made promises, both to Alan and to Jane. They had their own reasons. Can you tell me what they were? Why? Because because I'm curious, because I only knew Jane briefly, but I liked her very much, because I used to be a fan of Alan Moonshine, and I don't know how I feel about him anymore, and because, because I want to know if this had anything to do with Jane's murder. There, now he really said it all. The only thing he hadn't done was directly accuse patients of being a murderer. Of course, now he was alone in a room with her, and he realized that this wasn't such a good idea. At least Ginger knew where he was. He quickly added, That's why I told my wife I was coming here to ask you. Patience looked at him for a minute, trying to digest all that he had just said. Told your wife? I I don't understand. Wait, wait. Do you think that I murdered Jane? Then Patience laughed at him. Chapter 50 Did you? Keith asked. He was asking a possible murderer, sitting just a few feet from him, alone in her office, if she was guilty. It was exactly what his wife had warned him about. No. The word came out softly from Patience, but it might as well have been a scream for all the rage it contained. It sounded convincing, but how could Keith trust Patience of all people? For all he knew, she killed Jane and Moonshine and Alicia. He didn't feel threatened, but he didn't feel safe either. What the hell was going on here? Patience then said, And you two don't have to worry or call your wife for backup. I'm not going to kill you. The look on her face told another story. I'm barely five feet tall, for God's sake. I didn't realize I was so threatening. Anyway, are you planning on sharing Alan and Jane's secrets with the world, or what? She was angry. No, not if I don't have to. That isn't why I'm asking. If it really doesn't have anything to do with her murder, then there isn't any reason for anyone else to know. Except your wife. It wasn't a question. Yes, well, she's curious, too. I really don't know a lot. So, Alan was their son, Keith prompted. Yes, 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 he was. Alan Moonshine was Arthur Goodwin. Patience sighed as if a great weight had been lifted from her, looked up as if for inspiration or permission, then continued. Arthur was a very troubled young man. There wasn't anything he couldn't rebel against. What was that line from Rebel Without a Cause? What are you rebelling against? What have you got? Keith quickly answered. Patience allowed herself a quick smile. Right, exactly. His parents, Jane and Lewis, had given him every opportunity and encouraged his creativity, but for whatever reason, he hated them just because they were his parents, and he was always looking for some reason to justify it. I think he was just born that way. He was disgusted by their middle-class existence. He was especially disgusted that his father was a banker. It didn't matter to him that his parents had been part of the New York art scene that almost anyone else would have thought they were cool as long as as long as they lived in Harrisburg, they were the enemy. And from what I've heard, the more supportive they were, the more he hated them. And 
How could he be an angry young man, a true artiste, if he actually had an easy childhood? Alan is complicated. I think that if his parents had been drunks and beat him, he would have actually been happier. That's ridiculous, Keith said. Alan was ridiculous. Finally, Alan, of course, I mean, he was still Arthur then, landed on a plan that he thought would embarrass his parents. His first performances, if you will. He started dressing in drag all the time. Now remember, this was in the 70s, and most people weren't as accepting as they are now. Keith interrupted, was he gay or trans? No. Alan was complicated. It wasn't ever about sex or orientation for him. I'm not sure he even thought that way. It was about getting a reaction from people, shocking them, and he did. I don't know everything that happened, truly. She gave him a look to see if Keith believed her and continued, I guess he sh he showed up at his dad's bank one too many times, dressed in drag, trying to provoke him, and finally he did. L Lewis lost his temper and kicked him out of the house. Keith started to say something, but Patience asked him to hold his thoughts. Look, I know what you're thinking, but... I don't think Lewis cared about the women's clothes or if his son was gay or not. From what I've heard, he was incredibly progressive. What he couldn't stand was the continual open provocation. Lewis didn't have a problem with his son's sexuality because that's what it, it wasn't about that. I'm not sure he even had a problem that his son was trying to intentionally embarrass his family. What pushed Lewis over the edge was that Alan, or Arthur, was intentionally making other people, his customers, uncomfortable. That was too much for Lewis. I mean, of course, that's basically what almost all of Alan's artwork was about, making people uncomfortable. But anyway, at the time, Alan finally got what he wanted. He had pushed his dad so far that his father rejected him. He finally had a reason to go. He left home when he was 18. He ran away. He told me that he said some incredibly cruel things to his parents and told them that they were dead to him and he would never see them again. He also borrowed, well, he stole a very significant amount of money from them before he left, but they never called the police. Jane and Lewis were incredibly hurt, of course, she told me. They had done everything they could to support him, and in the end, that's what drove him away. Alan was toxic, and there was no fixing him. They knew he wasn't coming back, so they decided that the only way they could really move on is if they broke all ties. That's when they came up with a horrible idea. To explain their son's absence, they made up the story that Arthur had died. They never said specifically how, but since they were so secretive about it, most everyone suspected suicide. That's awful, said Keith. Yes, it was. I don't think it was I don't think it was Jane's idea, but she went along with it. They really didn't think through what they were doing. Once it was out there, they couldn't really walk it back. You can't really just say, Just kidding, our son isn't dead. And Arthur found out that his parents were telling people he was dead? Yes. When he found out, he was furious because it took his story away from him. To reclaim it, he became Moonshine so that he could kill off Arthur himself. He was reborn. He used their money to create a whole new name and an entirely new identity. This explains so much, especially why Trevor looked so much like a young Moonshine. They were related. As Keith thought about this and could feel the stress coming on, he yawned. Am I boring you? Patience looked annoyed. No, sorry, I not at all. I'm anything but bored. I'm just I'm just tired. But please continue. He pinched his leg to help him stay alert. Patience said, Jane followed his career, of course. He hurt her, but she was still proud of his success. She told me that when that story about 
Helen Moonshine, growing up in a, an abusive Kentucky household, came out. It broke her heart. But it also made her happy, because she thought that maybe now Arthur was finally living the life he wanted. What a tragedy, Keith thought. Moonshine's anger as an artist makes so much more sense now. Does it? asked Patience. I know him probably better than anyone, and yet his hatred of being accepted still doesn't make sense to me. It fascinates me, but it doesn't make sense. My guess is he was bipolar or something, but he would never go see a doctor. He was so afraid that if he wasn't depressed, he wouldn't be creative, so he never stopped rebelling. He never stopped being angry. Hating his parents in Harrisburg was just the first step. But he came back home, didn't he? Michael at the River Room said he was in the bar once. That was the only time Alan returned home. It was for his father's funeral. He was angry at his father his whole life, and then he got angry at him when he died. You've you've probably seen the video of the Max Max performance. Keith nodded that he had. Alan never got to ask him if the story about the relative of the Titanic was true or not. It obsessed him, and, and it was making him crazy, or, or crazier. Alan came back to turn the funeral into a performance. That was his plan. He was going to create a scene, the dead son coming back to life at his estranged father's funeral. It would have been one last horrible blow to his parents. But once here, seeing his mother after all those years, things changed. There was still some love left in him, Jane told me. There is still hope. Alan or Arthur, he's always Alan to me. Either way, he could never forgive his father, but he couldn't hurt his mother any longer. After the funeral, they talked, and Jane agreed to keep his identity a secret. She understood how important it was to his now successful career. They were going to keep in touch, but that didn't happen. I think it was all too much. Too many emotions for Alan to handle. There may have been some love or hope in him, but it wasn't enough. There was still too much anger. Keith was doing the math in his head. Moonshine would have died not long after his father's funeral. And then he killed himself, Keith quietly said, by swallowing the paint in his studio? Yes. Alan Moonshine, Arthur Goodwin, did finally kill himself. And as I suppose you know, I found him. Patience paused a moment, briefly closing her eyes. When she opened them, Keith could see the flames of hatred she had for Keith, making her remember it all. It broke my heart. I loved him. But he couldn't love anyone who loved him. Patience's eyes then watered up. Until then, her story had been told with her usual cold efficiency. Either she was one of the best actresses in the world, or... No, Keith believed her. He believed that Moonshine was really dead. And he believed that Patience didn't kill him. She paused for a moment to regain her composure and resumed. Chapter 51 That's when Jane got in touch with me. And, well, you know the rest of the story from there. Telling it had clearly exhausted patience, but she wasn't finished. Jane was incredibly proud of Arthur for what he accomplished as Alan Moonshine, and it hurt her dearly that she couldn't brag about him to the world. That's why she opened this gallery. Keeping a secret from the world was what she agreed to and what I agreed to, but now you know. Who knows? She may have even wanted you to know. At least I hope so. Too late now, right? Patience made an attempt at a small smile. What about Trevor? Does he know any of this? No, not yet. Charles and I were going to tell him. Charles knows all this? Keith was surprised at first and then realized he shouldn't be. Of course Charles knew. Patience and Charles were together after all. 
Keith wondered what Charles told Patience about what they had talked about during their lunch, if anything. Patience hadn't indicated that he had, and Keith was being careful not to reference it. At least he thought he was being careful. He was also feeling the fog come in. This was not the time to be sleepy. He would have loved some coffee, but didn't see a coffee maker anywhere in the office. He would just have to rally on his own. Patience was talking, oblivious to Keith's situation. Well, yes, of course. Charles probably knows more about this than I do. Jane had given us permission in her will to share this with Trevor, but then all this happened with him getting arrested. For Jane's murder, said Keith. There he was, feeling alert again. Yes, for her murder. Do you think Trevor did it? Her coldness snapped back into place. He isn't as unstable as Alan was, but he does have some of that moonshine blood in him, right? Only people who actually knew Alan can really appreciate how brilliant Trevor's performance was. It was like he was channeling Alan. It was a little scary, actually. So yes, I guess I I think Trevor could have done it. Interesting, Keith thought. There was little hesitation on Patience's part to throw Trevor under the bus. But Trevor's still in jail. So who murdered Alicia? Keith could see that caught her off guard. It was a gamble he was taking. It took a moment for what he said to sink in, and then Patience spurted out, What? It wasn't a yell, but it was loud. She was genuinely surprised. What the hell are you talking about? Who's Alicia? Alicia, from the Harrisburg Art Members' recognition or something like it, flashed across Patience's face. That idiot! Clearly, Patience had no problem talking ill of the dead. He ignored it. I'm sorry, I thought you would have heard by now, said Keith. After another deep breath, she asked, How was she murdered? Well, I don't think they've officially ruled it a murder yet, but the coroner said it looked like murder. Now he was improvising. He hoped he was convincing. They found her body in the Susquehanna the other day. Her head was bashed in, just like Jane's. It's what probably killed her. He didn't know if this last detail was true or not, but it felt right to say it to stir things up, and it worked. Patience stood up. Keith, I I'm, I'm sorry. You have to leave right now. I need to, to take care of something. She walked briskly by him, clearly showing him the way. He followed. Please leave, she said as she opened the front door for him. He stepped out and then turned to thank her for what she had told him about Arthur Allen, but she had already closed the door behind him. Then she locked it. Then she pulled down the blinds. The gallery was closed for the day. Chapter 52 Well, that wasn't suspicious at all, Keith thought as he walked up 2nd Street, back towards the house. He would have loved to know what Patience was doing right now, or whom she was calling. He had hit around the corner for a few minutes right after he left the gallery, just in case Patience was going to immediately leave and then Keith would, what, follow her to the murderer? Well, maybe. But after about five minutes, he began to feel foolish and walked away. But he had no doubt she was doing something right now, and if he just knew what it was, he would know who killed Jane. What did he know, he asked himself. He went back to the questions he had mulled over earlier. Of course, not knowing that Moonshine was Jane's son changed things a bit. Was Patience forging Moonshine bricks? Likely, but still no definite answer. Did Patience kill Moonshine? Possible, but unlikely. Who killed Jane? In spite of Patience's suspicion, Keith still believed that Trevor was innocent. The problem was that he thought Patience was too. It wasn't just her alibi with Charles. Something about it didn't feel right. He didn't 
trust patients, but he didn't believe she was a killer. So who murdered Jane? Was Alicia murdered too? He didn't know it for certain, but he believed it. And patients believed it. Keith suspected that patients knew who did it. Maybe patients wasn't calling Alicia an idiot. Maybe she was calling the murderer an idiot. It was a lot to think about. He would nap on it when he got home. Falling asleep intentionally while thinking about his actual paintings usually gave him clarity. He thought he should be able to do the same thing now to work on the mystery painting and maybe solve Jane's murder. Except when he tried directing his dreams like an Oneronaut before, after lunch with Charles, it didn't work. But now he knew so much more. Because his subconscious had a limited palette. Now it had dozens of colors to work with, and he wasn't starting with a blank canvas. With his sleep mask on, cats in position on his lap, he went to work and leaned back into his easy chair. He closed his eyes under the mask and tried to direct the dream by replaying the day of the murder. He could see himself standing in the Middle Eastern history section in the basement of the bookstore, looking for a copy of Lawrence's Seven Pillars of Wisdom. How long was he there? Five minutes? They didn't have the book there, but maybe if he looked in the biography section, he would find it. That's when he heard the voices in the print room nearby. Two voices. One was female. Were both female? It seemed like they were. Why was that? Then Keith heard the thud and the thump, the sounds of Jane getting hit in the head and then hitting the floor. Another minute or so went by while he was still looking for the book, and and then someone was walking away quickly in the far aisle. Was he remembering that or just dreaming it because he was told it happened? He walked up the ramp, through the hall, to the print room, dreading what he knows he is going to see. And there it is. He must be dreaming now. When it really happened, he didn't know he would find Jane dead in the print room. He was surprised. He must be dreaming. He couldn't have felt dread otherwise. He was watching himself, looking for the biography section. Why couldn't he find the biography section? And then he was there. He saw Jane on the floor. She was in her heavy coat. Did she have a heart attack? No, that wasn't it. Keith ran to her and kneeled to help her and saw all the blood. There was blood everywhere. He remembered he could smell it. The back of her head was split open. There was blood on the floor. There was blood on the wall. There was blood on the John Sloan print. There was blood on Keith's hands. There must have been blood on the killer, too. That was a new thought, wasn't it? It wasn't the answer, though. There was something else. The clerk came in and saw him there. She called the police on her phone, but she was so scared she could barely breathe. While Keith was waiting for the police to arrive, he decided to keep looking for his book. That was new. Why would he do that? Why would he leave Jane? Something told him to follow this path. He left the print room to go further back into the basement to find the biographies. But he must have gotten turned around because he was in the history room again. Keith knew he wasn't going to find what he was looking for there. Where was it? He went up the stairs to the landing where the art books were kept. What was he doing in the art section? He wanted to find a biography. He should be waiting downstairs in the basement for the police to arrive and take him in. Besides, he had already been in the art section that day. He was there before he went down the history section. He had already been there. He had, he had already been there? Detective Henry asked him only about what happened when Keith went down the basement. But he had been in the store long before that, and he had been browsing in the art section. What had he seen in the art section? He woke up to the sound of glass breaking. Someone had thrown a brick through their front window. 
You've been listening to episode 15 of Paint by Murders. Thanks to Pixabay.com for the music. Come back in a week for the next episode. If you'd like more information about the project or have comments you'd like to share, please do so on the social media pages where you found this or email me at paintbymurders at gmail.com. I'm your host, narrator, and author, M. Travis Nicola. Thanks for listening. <laughs>